Welcome to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Strategic Real Estate Coach is where the nation's leading real estate investors, brokers, and agents turn to transform the way the real estate business is being done in neighborhoods across the nation. If you desire to make more money, do more deals, grow your passive income, and build the lifestyle you've always wanted, you need Strategic Real Estate Coach. This powerhouse team is led by Josh Cantwell, a seasoned investor with nearly a decade of experience over 700 transactions and over 5.5 million in fundraising generated for himself and his partners. Now, sit back, listen, learn, and accelerate your business with Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back. This is Josh Cantwell, CEO at StrategicRealEstateCoach.com and Freeland Ventures Real Estate Private Equity. Welcome back to the Strategic Real Estate Coach podcast and interview series. Uh, I am really excited to be with you today to deliver some amazing information and training with our guest who is an absolute expert at seller financing and lease option strategies. His name is Jack, uh, John Jackson. I keep getting that mixed up, Jack and John. John Jackson, and John has done over 600, check it out, 600 seller financing and lease option Closings, just an amazing amount over the last 10 years or so. Uh, and he is one of the nation's leading experts on lease option investing. And so a lot of my uh, students and my audience, John, they like to uh, kind of wholesale and rehab for today's cash, but they always have an eye on massive passive cash flow, right? And building up their cash flow position. And one of the strategies that I teach is to rehab, to sell on rent to own or lease option. So just give us a little bit more foundation or background, John, about you, uh, about how you fell in love with lease options um, and a little bit how you got started with real estate. And then tell us a little bit more about your focus today. What are you focused on today and what's allowed you to be successful in today's market? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Josh. And hello, everybody. Uh, uh, I am uh, John Jackson. I'm uh, one of the nation's premier uh, educators on lease options, uh, having done well over 600. I'm specifically known as the Texas lease option guy. Uh, I don't know how, know how new some of you are to real estate, but there's a lot of rumors still out there that you can't do lease options in Texas, which is completely bogus. But guess what? It gives me a niche within a niche. So I'm the only one that uh, teaches lease options in Texas. Uh, and so we, when I got started in real estate, I looked at so many different avenues and ways to get started in real estate and found that lease options were just a great way for me to get started because it involved no risk and no money. I didn't have to take down the house and I was working with nice houses and nice areas. I didn't have to go estimate repairs because I got to be honest with you, Josh, I couldn't tell you how much it costs to fix the foundation. I have no clue. I don't even know how they do it. They take yeah, a cement block or I don't even know how they do it. Like it's, it defies physics to me. But, um, but with lease options, there's no risk, um, uh, no money involved at all. And uh, you work with nice houses, nice areas. Matter of fact, Josh, most of the houses that we've done with leasing to buy, which is my real estate company, I never even saw most of the houses. I didn't have to go look at them because I know what a house looks like. And there were normally, in most cases, there were pictures of the houses on the internet. So I could look, go on and go, oh, that's the house, it'll work. There you go. So, uh, so that's really what we focused on since 2003. And 
and obviously, I don't know how many we've done. It's well over 600. I stopped counting for sure. Uh, but that's really what we focus on. We do some wholesaling as well. Uh, I've never done fix and flip. Uh, just It just wasn't my wasn't my wheelhouse. And I think for people starting off in real estate, they have to avoid that shiny object syndrome and know what are they comfortable with? What is their comfort level? What's their risk? Uh, what's their comfort level with risk? Uh, because, uh, you know, if someone's just starting off and doing a, a rehab, and that's their first thing they've ever done. Well, it only takes one bad rehab to really take you under, you know? And so I always suggest to people that if you're going to learn real estate, learn where it's free and there's no risk, you know, wholesaling and lease options, two totally different beasts, but that's what I recommend. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So um, first, John, just explain what a lease option is because, yeah. uh, uh, you know, new investors that are going to listen to this. I also have very, very experienced investors that own thousands of units of apartments uh, that will listen to this uh, and everybody in between. And when somebody says lease option, sometimes people have different ideas of what that can be based on their market. So just to find that for us, tell us about the logistics of how it works and then tell us specifically about this rumor in Texas, because I have heard that rumor before as well. Well, uh, and, and not to uh, take this uh, too lengthy, but there's three different types of lease options. And I'll try to keep this very uh, concise and short. Uh, the, first, the first type of lease options is just a straight lease option. So if uh, Josh, you owned a house and you were considering renting it out, where you've got a, your typical uh, tenant and they're gonna pay a deposit, you have to refund and all that kind of garbage and you're responsible for all the repairs. If you decide that you wanted to get uh, non-refundable money uh, towards the purchase, instead of just refundable money as a deposit, uh, you do a lease option. So you're gonna get a lot more money down, if you will, uh, get a lot more money uh, towards the property that's non-refundable. They're gonna take very good care of the property. And uh, ideally they're gonna cash you out if that's what your goal is. But it's a totally different mindset than just renting the house out. Then there's a, a sandwich lease option, which uh, some people are familiar with. That is where uh, you're the middleman between the seller and the end buyer, and you have three profit centers there. You are getting uh, an option fee from the end buyer, and the end buyer is paying you monthly payments every month, but you're paying the owner monthly payments every month. So you're cash flowing every month that spread, and that buyer paid you an option fee that you get to keep. And if they end up cashing you out, you get the equity that's left in that property between what the owner owes or what you owe the owner and what the buyer purchased the property for. What we really specialize in, what I uh, teach mainly to uh, people, especially starting off, is what's called lease option assignments. Uh, my dear friend, uh, Joe McCall, calls them uh, wholesaling lease options. But what that is essentially, you're just you're locking up a property with a lease option contract, offering the owner full price, not negotiating, and you're assigning that contract to the end buyer who, for whatever reason, can't quite get qualified right now. But you, as the investor, get your assignment fee, which is for maybe 5% of the price of the house, and it's non-refundable. You had nothing at risk, no money at risk, um, and you got 4 to 5%. And you're helping the seller and you're helping the buyer. That's a lease option assignment. That's what we really focus on with the leasing to buy. Nice. Um, so that strategy is great because most people probably can common sense would tell them most houses in the United States are not in foreclosure. Most houses mm -hmm. in the property in the United States are not distressed. Right. Most properties in the United States, uh, you know, 
about two thirds to 70% though have a mortgage, right? Lots and lots of people who don't have tons of equity, right? right. Maybe right. only got 5%, 10%, 20% equity and they want to sell. But as investors, we're always thinking about, I want to be all in at 65 to 70 cents on the dollar. This strategy of lease option allows you to acquire properties, maybe at full retail price, or maybe just five or 10 or 20% off of the retail price. And somebody might have double payments. They might've been relocated out of the area. They right. might have trouble selling their house. Maybe they're going through a divorce. There's lots of different reasons where people would want to sell and they just can't sell it or they just, they have a cash flow problem, they need somebody to take over their payments. So John, I know there's a lot of different reasons, but why would somebody really entertain a lease option as opposed to just hiring a realtor? Yeah, so there's different levels of, of motivation that I teach in, uh, in my two-day boot camp. There's different, seller le different levels of seller motivation, if you will. And uh, we fit into like the top four levels of, of, of motivation or desperation, if you will. And so when we are looking to a lease purchase or why a seller would look to do a lease purchase is they're looking for a plan B. Plan A was typically for sale by owner, okay? Right. Or maybe they put it with the MLS, okay? And they were gonna have to eat 6% commissions, right? That didn't work. So now they're looking, they think plan B is just stick a tenant in it and rent it out. But they don't wanna be landlords. You know, they don't wanna be a landlord, especially if they're moving out of state. So then we come along and say, let us take care of this. We can get you full price for it. No negotiating. Your payments can be covered. You're going to cash flow each month. And with our program, we actually structure it, uh, Josh, so that our buyers are going to get financed within 12 months. So go. it's very hands-off to the seller. The, uh, the uh, buyer actually gets a home warranty. The owner's cash flowing, no commission. That saves them 6%. So in a $400,000 house, uh, your average uh, seller is going to make about $24,000 more utilizing leasing to buy than if they were listed with an agent. That's a, that's a car. That's a brand new car. Right. You can actually, uh, I, I was just looking this up the other day. You can actually go on a two week long trip, uh, taking a chartered yacht in the Caribbean for about 30 grand. So you're just shy of that. If you yeah. Yeah. Money. Yeah. They can go. Yeah. They can go to the Caribbean on a chartered yacht for what I'm making them. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Exactly. So, uh, so you mentioned this thing in Texas. Help mm -hmm. us understand that. Yeah. So, um, uh, so Texas back in 2005, um, and I go into great detail during my, my training or my two day event, but, uh, to keep it short here in 2005, Texas had laws about, um, contract for deed, uh, conveyances, but they didn't have any legislation or laws about, um, uh, lease options. And so there was a few bad apples down in South Texas using lease options to take care of a few, you know, uh, take advantage of some people. Uh, but obviously this, this didn't just happen in Texas. It just so happened that Texas was the first state to say, we're going to do something about this. So what happened was uh, they drafted leg legislation about lease options that was absolutely horrible. And so uh, all the investors in Texas got on board uh, to uh, fight this. They completely changed the legislation before it passed. And uh, at the end of the day, the final legislation was totally uh, doable. It was, we could totally live with it. We just had to make a lot of changes in our contracts and a few other things. So we just kept moving along. You know, I paid about $30,000 just for my contracts uh, over the years, uh, but it's well worth it because this is my baby. 
Mm -hmm. But um, after that, um, still even to this day in 2000, well, now 19, people still think that you can't do lease options in Texas. And the reason for that is either they didn't, they never read the law or it's, it's based on rumors uh, or they go to, we won't mention any online forums, but they'll go to an online real estate forum and get misinformation by people that have never read the law. And Got so, it. and so what I, um, I teach this in, in detail, uh, the, at our boot camps, but what I tell people is that, um, if, if your state or, if, um, if your state has legislation uh, or is drafting legislation about whether it's, doesn't matter if it's, uh, wholesaling, uh, lease options, it doesn't matter what it's about, if it's real estate rated, that's going to affect you. Don't, the last place you want to go is to an online forum. Uh, you also don't want to play the rumor game. You want to go read that property code and say, okay, what does it say? That's what I did. I went line by line by line. But what's happened in, in Texas is uh, it's the old kindergarten rumor game. I don't know what the name of it is, where the, the teacher whispers in little Bobby's ear, something like, you know, I have red shoes, you know, and Bobby passes it down, passes it down, passes it down. By the time, by the time it comes around to little Timmy, the teacher goes, oh, okay, what what I say, Timmy? And Timmy says, um, your mother never loved you? Like, it had nothing to do with the red shoes, you know? And so that's what's happened. You know, some of the rumors I've heard are just like bizarro, you know, just crazy. But, um, yeah, we've uh, kept going and kept going and had no issues whatsoever. That's great. So, John, you've mentioned a couple times, like, not having shiny object syndrome. Yep. It's been your a big reason for your success and focus on lease options. Is big reason for your success. Um, now, help us understand what makes you different or allow you to have success with that strategy. You know, whether it's your marketing, whether it's the you get referrals from realtors. What are some of the actual logistical things that you do different that allows you to have success with lease options? Is it maybe you have a specific marketing campaign or a little ticker, a little <laughs> tactic, a little hack? that allows you to do things differently to be successful? Yeah, uh, good question, Josh. Um, first of all, there's almost no competition, okay? Almost no competition at all, which means we can actually work with other investors uh, in our area, particularly wholesalers. People that are spending a lot of money on, on marketing. The, all the leads come in, and if they don't fit into this little perfect square, this perfect formula, they don't know what to do with it, right? If they can't make it work 70% ARV minus repairs minus their fee, they don't know what to do with it, and they've just thrown that lead away. Right. So I can actually buy those leads from them and turn those into lease options. And so that's one thing is that there's no competition. We work with a, a seller clientele, if you will, that most investors, they have no clue how to work with them. Right. Uh, we work with, as far as the marketing, uh, we do a few different types of marketing specifically. One of our top uh, ways to market is uh, RVA actually pulls over 60 DOM days on market every two weeks. Okay. Pull the list, cross it to tax records, scrub it, and then we upload it, boom, send a uh, very specific uh, trifold. It's a trifold brochure. It, it stands, it pops out. It's not some little dinky little yellow postcard that says, I want to buy your house. It's a very specific mailing piece. We send those to over 60 days on the market properties. So we're ba we're targeting listed houses. Got because it. years and years ago, when I was trying to get this going, there was no, I don't even know if Craigslist was around. 
And there was no uh, book or handbook on how to market for houses in real estate. Classified ads, like in the real newspaper. That was it. Yeah. Or go, go to the green sheet or the, the, the newspaper and find people to, you know, and you'd have to call these people out of the newspaper. And finally, uh, you know, I decided you know, what, who wants to sell their house? Who really wants to sell their house? And it finally clicked. Oh my gosh. I know who wants to sell their house. People that are selling their house. Right. I was like, this is genius. They've already sort of raised their hand and said, I want to sell. Let's go after them. That's exactly. Great. So, bam. And that is where things made a dramatic, dramatic uh, turnaround. And suddenly, uh, I was doing so many uh, uh, deals. It was just me. I was doing so many deals that I would stop marketing for like three months because I had so much inventory that I just I couldn't even handle it. This is back before I think even VAs were around or I knew anything about VAs. It was just me you know, working out of the house. And when you've got, you know, 30 or 40 properties a month that you're marketing and doing all this stuff with and, you know, applications, all this stuff, it's just overwhelming. So I wouldn't market for three months because I had so much inventory, but that's how we got it. It was a direct mail to listed houses. Got it. Yeah. We've done a number of lease options too. And it seems like, um, you know, properties that are expired where people are like that yep. on, selling their house with a realtor. They sign up a six month listing agreement. That's a good one. I've got a, a, a woman who's a good friend of mine, a former student of mine. Her name is Catherine Schimmel and she's out of the uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania market. She mails expireds. She mails them the day after they expire. She gets about a 30, she sends up just a traditional yellow letter. Like I want to buy your house at XYZ address. Uh, but she sends only to expire listings. It's about a 30 to 35% ex, uh, a response rate. And then she pivots those into lease options or lease option assignments. Yeah. And she loves that market because she's dealing with an already motivated seller that's already raised their hand. She's not convincing someone they need to sell. They already convinced themselves they want to sell. And the market or the realtor or the MLS has convinced that seller that they can't sell for the price they want. So these sellers are kind of desperate to sell and motivated to drop their price or just get out from underneath the payments. Yep. Um, so Catherine's been really successful with that. It's been fun watching her success as well. Um, so John, let me ask you, if you, you know, looking at all your success you're having today and all the people that you're teaching and coaching, if you look back though, to where you got started, mm-hmm. uh, tell us a little bit more about that. I'm always interested to hear from a successful investor and learn when they got started, what were, what were they doing? What, how old were they? Why were they pursuing real estate? When did they catch the real estate bug? And secondly, why? Like, what were they trying to pursue? Were they broke, busted, and disgusted and just sick of the past? Or were they looking at real estate as a real wealth builder? What were your reasons for pursuing it? Uh, yeah, so um, when, uh, so I was a stay-at-home day trader for about two years. Um, so I was, I got into real estate probably when I was 34, I guess. When I was about 31 or so, I guess, uh, I was working for a big company. And I remember my wife telling me that she was pregnant. So I did the most uh, reasonable uh, thing you could do. And I quit my job, right? That, that's that seems responsible. What, you're pregnant? Here, let me quit my job. And you go, you go back to work. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I quit my job because I didn't want to work to pay somebody to watch my, you know, newborn baby. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to work at a place I hated so I could pay somebody to watch my baby while I was at, at work. Uh, I became a self-taught day trader 
I worked out of the house and um, then I started trading options on the stock market. And that was about two years. And I wanted to get into real estate. I had a friend of mine had a couple of rentals and um, uh, he thought he was, uh, you know, Donald Trump at the time because he had two little rentals that were, I think he was profiting like 120 bucks a month or something. And I, yeah. <laughs> so I looked at real estate and I looked at all kinds of different avenues in real estate. And what I found is that real estate, just like the stock market, in other words, with the stock market, there are so many different ways to make money, but you've yeah. got to find your niche, right? Just like I, as I was trying to teach myself day trading, well, that's very, that's a very vague statement, you know, day trading or making money in a stock market. You've got to find your niche. And so with real estate, I wanted to find my niche. And at the time I felt like making, you know, getting a loan, buying a house, renting it out, making 125 bucks a month. I thought that's really not a lot of money. Uh, so I didn't like that. I looked at different avenues. Didn't like the risk of uh, fix and flip. I'd, I'd uh, rehab uh, the first place I lived in. I totally rehabbed it. That was just a nightmare to me because I did it myself. But I kept reading these little snippets about lease options. But there wasn't a whole lot out there about lease options at the time like there is now. And uh, But I really liked the idea of the lease option because it involved no risk and no money. And I was very familiar with options because of the option market. So I thought, well, this, I could do this. I understand this. And I, I envisioned this way that it would actually help the seller and help the buyer. At the time, the only thing out there about lease options was basically how to get somebody into a house that would never be able to qualify. They're going to kick out in a, two years. You're going to put a sign back in the yard and just put a revolving door on the, on the house. And it was basically how to rip people off. You know, and I was like, I don't like that. Let me, but if you take the structure of it and put the right pieces in place so it's a win-win-win situation, well, now you have a business. Right. And that's where it started. So I was probably 34 at the time. I wasn't, um, I did want more money because the day trading was, it was okay, but it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't making me wealthy, you know. Um and so uh, I wasn't desperate, uh, if you will, down and out, but I just knew I wanted something different. And with real estate, especially having to develop this on my own, it really juiced my creativity, you know? And I talk about uh, creati how important creativity is in business, especially in real estate. But that's how I got started in real estate in 03. And within three months, I did my first lease option. I found it driving for dollars. It was half a mile from my house. The second house I did uh, right after that was six blocks over. It was a Homevestor house. Okay. And that opened the door with myself and my relationship with Homevestors, where they started sending me spreadsheets of houses to do as they rehabbed them, you know? Right. And that was uh, just fantastic. That really just exploded our momentum from that point. But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much how I got started with, with real estate and got the real estate bug. Nice, nice. Yeah, Homebusters is is uh, has made a nice comeback. You know, they yeah got started in the early two thousands. Matter of fact, I quit my job as a financial planner. Uh, <clears throat> I was standing on the corner on Madison Avenue, mm -hmm. uh, right in front of our local Homebuster franchisee. His name was Ted Cowan. I met with him. I was still managing money as a financial planner at that time. Uh, this is in. Uh, uh, October of 2003, I met with Ted. 
networking with him about real estate, kind of sick and tired of my job. Again, similar to you, I wasn't like down and out. I wasn't broke, busted and disgusted, but I just didn't really enjoy what I was doing. I was looking for something where I could be creative and resourceful. And I met with Ted, I walked out, I was talking to my buddy, my old business partner on Madison Avenue. And I said, dude, I, I quit. I quit my job on the spot. Uh, just because I liked all the momentum and the juju, like the juice of real estate, the creativity, the resourcefulness about it, uh, as opposed like similar to you, you were day trading. I was a financial planner, but I was printing these reports and presenting them to clients and I was wearing a suit and tie. And uh, I told a story about how I used to get porched where I would, I I would drive to somebody's house at like eight o'clock at night to have a financial planning appointment and they would no show and I would be standing on their porch, right? It would be like rain coming down or snow. And I was there at night and, uh, you know, just kind of just sick and tired of the same old, same old. And that's, that's where I caught the real estate bug. And then that was in 2003. By 2006, I was actually the keynote speaker at the annual Homevestors Franchise Conference in Dallas, Texas, uh, speaking about short sales and pre-foreclosures. Uh, so it's just it's just funny how things evolve over time. But when you make the commitment to do something, you jump in, the world has a funny way of kind of you know giving you opportunities and you kind of make your own luck. Um, but there's you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to encourage your audience, my audience, you've got to eventually make that decision to just jump in and do it. Similar to what John did, you know, even though his wife was pregnant, he was day trading like I'm out. I want to do real estate. I did the same thing. I look back as, you know, probably one of the best decisions I ever made in my entire life. Um, oh, so now, you know, thinking about for you, you've done over 600 deals. You stopped counting. Uh, obviously, you know, as an entrepreneur, you can do what you want, when you want. You coach people. Uh, I'm always curious to see what people's big future looks like. What are their big audacious goals or sort of embarrassing goals to continue to build on what they've started so what do you see for yourself? What do you see with the real estate market and your own goals for yourself and your family? Well, my first goal is to have hair as thick as yours. Yeah. <laughs> it's like mine, though. It's got to be fine. <laughs> um, you know what? I've done single family for so long. It's what I do with lease options. It's I've got it down to such a cookie cutter process. It doesn't challenge me anymore. I'm going to keep doing it, but it's on autopilot and it's just, okay, there you go. And it's done. Right. So that'll continue doing its thing, but it's time for me to, it's past time for me to move on to other things. And, uh, over the last year or so, I've been really intrigued by multifamily, which I have not done multifamily before. So I'm going to dig heavy into multifamily. And what's interesting is, uh, last year's I started researching multifamily and I'm okay, this is what I want to do. Uh, it was interesting because now the mentor is about to become a student. So now it's a different mindset because I can already see the subconscious triggers going off that are trying to hold me back. I'm like, oh, stop that crap. Stop that crap. This is what your students say all the time. And you always, you know, snap them back to reality. Let's get this thing going. And so uh, multifamily will be uh, the next thing, but it'll be such an intriguing uh, and interesting uh, process as I go from mentor to student and, uh, and because uh, I don't want to be one of those students that just, you know, flails and does nothing. You know, I want to I want to crush this thing. Well, you know, honestly, John, the, I, I love that. I love that you're willing to just say that, just put that out there to the world, because 
man, the only way to keep life exciting is really the uncertainty of learning something new, right? Tony Robbins talks about this at his events. I've been to a number of them. He talks about how God created us where we love certainty. We love security. We love knowing that, you know, we have the same house and the same car and kids and spouse and, you know, job and the certainty. But what life makes life exciting, what gives it real juice is the uncertainty of doing something new. It's the uncertainty of learning something new. And if you're not learning, you're dying, man. So I love the fact that you're like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to learn. Um, and to that point, John, uh, we're, we're actually, we've funded this year, we funded all, we fund a lot of deals through my private equity fund. And, and as a, as a private lender, uh, we funded over 150 to 200 deals. And we've also funded 1,153 units of apartments this year. And that wasn't, we, we fund both debt and equity. Um, and we have a, a big multifamily deal. We're closing next Tuesday on the 15th. Um, it's, uh, it's 407 units. Uh, we're funding 2.2 million of equity. They're getting, uh, the operator's getting a first mortgage from like a, a regular bank, a commercial mm-hmm. bank, uh, but all in for 16 million purchase and rehab. And it's four and seven units and it caps out with a cap rate of 7%. It caps out at 30 million bucks. Um, so as you look at your future and, and, and multifamily, we, you know, you and I got to talk more after. Definitely, we, definitely. Um, because we would love to be involved with you, not only funding your deals, either debt or equity, uh, but we're tied into some of the biggest uh, multifamily investors in the country. Um, and a lot of things we can, we can do together, which will be a lot of fun. Well, I'm, I'm excited. You know, uh, I want to go back for just a second. What you said about when you decide to start taking action and, and, and you make, you know, you set your mind to something, how the universe kind of lines things up Yeah. Uh, on this, on that topic and with multifamily. So being in the business uh, as long as I have, obviously uh, I know a lot of people just like, you know, a lot of people. And as I was looking to see who I was going to use as a mentor, who's going to guide me through this multifamily jungle. Right. Um, uh, I looked at some different, uh, I consider different people. Okay. I know him. I like him, but you know, trying to find who's going to fit my personality the best. And I find decided, okay, the big kahuna, Corey, right? Sure. I just found out last week he's in my mastermind group. Is that right? Okay. I didn't know that because he hadn't made it to any of the meetings that I've been. Yeah. So, I just, so I'm going to see him next week, literally and hang out with him for two days and say, dude, I'm about to be, uh, I'm about to be uh, uh, a remora on you. Yeah. You, you don't even know it yet. Yeah. So how cool is that? That is. The world has a funny way, man, of just when you really uh, say, I'm going to do this thing, whether it's lease options, whether it's apartments, whatever, you know, whether it's whatever. The world has a funny way of our subconscious brain all of a sudden, like looking out for those things on our behalf because we've made that commitment. Right. It's like you have deals that come out for lease options out of nowhere. When you decide that you're going to be a lease option investor, you all of a sudden have realtors, wholesalers, you know, other people for sale by owners that all of a sudden you're subconsciously aware of that you weren't consciously aware of before. You know, Um, uh, years ago. Oh, my God. I could talk forever uh, on this subject. Uh, I do an entire segment of my coaching called the guru mindset. And I talk about comfort zones and the six words that kill and this and that. And also talk about the flow and the flow is where the subconscious gets into this, its own flow. Um, and it goes back for me. I spent 10 years doing stand-up comedy way back in the day, back when I had a ponytail, shut up. But, 
but as a as a as an artist, as a, as a whether you're whether you're a comic or you're a writer or you're a, a painter or a musician, whatever, and that's what you do, you get into a flow, and your subconscious is always looking for me. It was always looking for material, and I wouldn't, you know, I wasn't consciously doing. It, I was always doing it. An artist is always looking at thinking of songs. Something's bringing a, a lyrics or a song to them. Same thing with real estate and entrepreneurism. You get in that mindset, into that flow. Your subconscious is always going, whether you realize it or not, looking for making those connections, making those deals. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. It's, you got to make that decision, though. I know, I know a lot of uh, students that I've worked with, and John, you've probably seen the same thing, where they're like, you know, I want to do wholesaling and rehabbing and apartment. Yep. <clears throat> yep. And I want to do all this different stuff. And then the world is so cluttered and their mind is so cluttered that they can't recognize the opportunities when they're right there in front of them. Right. Yep. You really just start and say, I want to be good at this one thing. I want to be good at raising money. I want to be good at lease options. I want to be good at apartments. And I'm just going to do that one thing. All of a sudden, it's like everything else clears out. And then when there's an opportunity, bam, you can see it. It's right there. When it might have been there before, but you, you were so cluttered, you never saw it. Right. So really, really important concept for people to make a decision, focus on one thing, get really good at that and then add, just like you've done, mm -hmm. add another strategy or add another thing to your life. Yeah. Um, so as we kind of kind of round third here and, and kind of head for home. Yeah. Uh, I know you said, you know, lease options, you've got it dialed in uh, you know, to the point where you're looking for something else because you're so good at it. So dialed in, it's almost like, a, you know, not not boring, but you're just you're just so dialed in on it, so automated. It's not super exciting anymore, but I'm sure with all 600 deals, you've probably had a crazy story or two, or your students have had a crazy story or two. So anything that's happened for you or your students that you could share back with our audience that's happened that they could learn from? You know what? I've been asked this a number of times and I've thought back and back and back, and I've got a few things, nothing nearly as crazy as you're going to get from like wholesalers or rehabbers or this, that, where I find... You know, crazy stuff at a house or whatever, because uh, just because I've got this so dialed in that there's really no, uh, you really don't get thrown a hiccup. You know, it's just pretty straightforward. It's like the difference between asking a Porsche salesman, you know, any crazy stories versus asking a repo guy, Hey, any crazy yeah. stories, you know, so I'm the Porsche salesman, you know, I'm not the repo guy, but um, we've had some crazy stories. Like I went to uh, um, get a house under contract from an investor who I knew very well. And this, the God awful stench in the house was just, it would not go away. Would not, I couldn't show the house. And I said, there is something dead in that house. They finally pulled the sheetrock back and yeah, there's a whole nest of dead rats, you know, throughout the house. Um, I changed the locks on the wrong house one time. Oh, really? <laughs> I did do that. Just walked up the driveway and went left instead of right? Well, so I had lease option this house, you know, many years before. And um, whoever had, I got in the house, ended up just leasing the house from the owner. And they were fine. The owner was fine with it. The owner calls me uh, however many years later. Hey, John, this is Greg. Uh, can you go by my house? I think my guy moved out. Well, I hadn't been to the house or it, I hadn't been on that street in four years, right? And, I, <laughs> and when I do live presentations, I show my oopsie on this one. And people really get why I screwed it up. So I go down, I didn't even look up the address. I, I go down because I thought, I'll, re I'll remember it. There's a garage over here and a tree there, you know, very descriptive. So I go and I find the house, the garage here and a tree here. And I peek in the window. Uh, there's Whoever lived there did a midnight move, right? It was just, I was like, ah, the doors are locked, everything. So I call the owner, I call Greg, man, they did a midnight move. 
I said, I'll get this taken care of. Because uh, uh, he lived out of state. I said, I can get the locks changed, and I'll put you in touch with our cleanout guy. Anyway, I get a, uh, put my sign in the yard. I get a call that day. Hey, I was calling to the house on Highview Terrace. I'm like, yeah, hey, well, that, we just got that house. Uh, still, we've got a lot of uh, work to do on it still, but, it's a, you know, it's whatever. I'm getting the numbers. It's going to be uh, or 6000 down, blah, blah, and the guy cut me off. Whoa, 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 wait. He goes, that's my house. Uh, uh, what do you, it's not, no, it's not. What do you mean it's your house? That's my, that's house. my house. And I, I guess I happen to be sitting from the computer. I pull up tax records. I go, wait a minute, what's, what address is that? And he, I pulled it up. I was like, oh, crap. What is your name again? And he told me, I was like, oh, I said, I am so sorry. I said, here's what happened. And he was kind of laughing. He said, uh, I said, it looked like they did the midnight move. He goes, yeah, they did. He said, we rented the house out. And I, uh, he, he laughed. He said, hey, no problem. I said, I, I apologize. I'll come get my sign. I said, oh, by the way, do you have something to write with? He said, yeah, why? I said, well, I want to give you, uh, I gave him this four-digit code. He goes, what's that? I go, that's the lockbox code. You're going to need that to get in your house. You're going to need that to get in your house. That's great. I, I said, no, you can keep the lockbox. And then I said, and at this point, I was like, what the hell? Yeah. And I said, I finished the conversation with, um, would you consider at least purchasing it? <laughs> right. You might as well try to acquire it, right? Yeah, right. You get your side of the yard and lockbox on it. I, I, ended up fi- I ended up finding the right house. It was, you know, I went back to get it, to my sign. The house that I was supposed to go to was three houses up, looked exactly the same. Garage over here, tree there. Uh, oh, well. Yeah. yeah. Nice. But if you ever want someone, guys, this is a great way to find homeowners that uh, instead of skip tracing, change locks. Yeah. Just lock them out of their home and lock them out of their house. Stick a sign in the yard. Right. That's <laughs> great, John. So, how about, so last thing, just last kind of piece of advice. <clears throat> you know, been in this business for a while. You've been an entrepreneur. You quit your job at you know the craziest time. You day traded. You've obviously learned a lot. And when we, you know, I was reading through our notes to get ready, and I, I think one of the things you said was was great, which is you really don't learn from your successes, right? You learn from your failures. You learn from the things you do wrong. You learn from the things that you know, being resourceful, being creative. <laughs> so, if you were to look back at your maybe younger former self uh, and pass along some advice to our our listeners and our audience, what, what would you? What, what kind of advice would you give yourself? Yeah, a few things. One is uh, uh, don't be afraid of mistakes. Uh, do the opposite. You know, uh, encourage those mistakes or, or embrace, I should say, embrace those mistakes. Because uh, you don't, I don't earn crap from doing a lease option successfully. It's not difficult. Where I learn is from the mistakes I made. It's just, remember, you know, uh, I was talking about how as a day trader, I never learned a thing from doing a, a good trade. I learned all my rules. Every trader has, a, has their list of rules, right? For example, don't trade during the doldrums, as an example, you know, and uh, see your, I see you smile, so you know what the doldrums are. Oh, so yeah. you have all your set of rules as a trader. I can go back to any trade that I lost money on and almost every time go, well, I broke this rule, that rule, and that rule. Yeah, you know? And that's why those rules are in place. But you learn them from your mistakes. So I would say don't fear the mistakes, embrace them. 
uh, for me, I probably should have expanded to other to wholesaling and maybe subject to sooner on just because I had dialed in leasing to buy my company so well so early on that I could have really expanded to other marketing avenues and, and wholesaling, et cetera, uh, much sooner on. But I was doing so much volume, I, I just didn't do it. Yeah. The third thing, uh, especially if someone's starting off, I don't care what avenue you're going to pursue in real estate, um, get a mentor. Get a mentor. And I don't say that to to sell whatever uh, coaching you, you know, the coaching you offer or what I offer. Uh, I talked about going into apartments this year. One of the first things I was looking at was who am I going to pick as my mentor? Because when I pick them, I'm stuck with them or they're stuck with me. I should say, because they have never seen somebody like me and I'm going to make this thing. I'm going to rock it. I'm going to crush this thing and, but get a mentor, you know, don't think about trying to do this on your own. Uh, And uh, lastly, I would say again, if you're serious about getting real estate, uh, get a mentor and stop, uh, stop browsing, real estate forums yeah for a bunch of information from people that don't know what they're talking about yeah i don't know about you john but i don't have a single really successful friend in real estate who goes on those forums at all the most successful yeah. guys I know, uh you know that are at least at that intermediate level where they're doing let's say 24 deals two deals a month or more uh, and guys that, again, that own, that do a hundred rehabs a year or that own 500 units of apartments or that run a private equity fund or that own th- hundreds or thousands of units of residential, none of them spend any time on those forums. Mm-hmm. Now it's great if you're new to meet people and network and it's definitely a way if you're in California and you want to invest in a more affordable market, maybe in the Midwest, it's great to meet people that way. Uh, one of the other podcasts I record is a guy named, uh, his name is Jason, and he lives in New Jersey, and he was trying to invest in Louisville, Kentucky. So he specifically used those forums to find people in Louisville. So he went with an intention. Right, right. So just go there and talk. Like, nobody who's really successful has any time to be there. So yeah. again, there's going to be a lot of hearsay, a lot of he said, she said, a lot of, uh, you know, probably misinformation, honestly, on those forums. It's, it's, a, it's a, the people that respond. I shouldn't make such a broad statement, but a lot of the people that respond to the questions on there are basically responding as an ego boost to themselves. Sure, sure. You know? And they're not actually doing deals. I mean, I don't have time to go on there Yeah. at all. I, just yeah. don't, I don't have time to go on those places. But, uh, but you're right, for, for networking and stuff, that would be a, a, with a specific intent. That would be a, a good use, use of it. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, great advice, John. I appreciate it. So just to summarize again, um, master one strategy, right? Start as early as possible, jump in. And what John said was really pick a mentor. Don't just go on all kinds of different webinars and, and, and emails. Just find someone that you're comfortable with. Pick that strategy, pick that mentor, stay with it long-term and keep optimizing, optimizing, optimizing and embrace the mistakes. Because you don't really learn a lot when you do a successful deal. You learn a lot when you kind of goof goof something up. Um, so fantastic advice today, John. Really appreciate it. Listen, I know there's going to be a lot of people who listen to this uh, who are going to want to connect with you. They're going to want to, uh, you know, whether it's do deals with you or be mentored by you or just network with you or whatever that looks like. So what, what is uh, your website or email yeah. or phone number? What's a way that they can reach out to you and connect with you? 
Yeah, I'll give you a couple of websites. One of them is just the, our, our main website, my main company, where we actually do deals. In case you want to go and see, well, what is it that John is doing and his students are doing? You can see hundreds of our deals posted. It's uh, leasingtobuy.com. Leasing to buy is where we actually do the deals. Right. For uh, education and training and uh, to reach me, you can go to leaseoptionclasses.com. Uh, again, that's leaseoptionclasses.com. Um, they can actually research me. They can contact me through that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. A couple resources there, guys. And listen, if you're listening to this and you've enjoyed this interview along with the other interviews that I've done, uh, go ahead and leave us uh, a five-star rating. Leave us a comment. Uh, my team monitors, you know, uh, YouTube and iTunes and different uh, podcasting sites to make sure that we're seeing the comments and the questions that come in. If you've got a specific comment for John, leave it there on one of those platforms. My team will grab it. We'll feed it back to John. We'll get you an answer. Uh, check out his websites and just make sure again, if this is a strategy you're looking for to make quick cash and cash flow, it's you know absolutely a strategy that I've used in my business. I've done dozens and dozens of lease options. It's a very, very viable strategy, especially because there's a lot of pretty houses without a lot of equity. And this is a way to capitalize on those deals. Um, so listen, if, if, if you're, uh, looking for more amazing information, check out John's sites. Uh, look forward to seeing you on our next interview series. And John, when we're done with this interview, make sure you and I, uh, talk again, uh, and, and just, uh, don't leave yet. Cause I want some information with you too, on a personal level you bet. And, uh, and we'll take it from there. So thanks so much for joining us today, John, any final parting shots or words of advice? Uh, just, uh, stop making excuses. One last thing. There's six words that everybody starting off kills them. What if, yeah, but, and if only. What if this? What if that? What if they, the fear factor? If only I had more time. If only I had more money. If only I had this. You know, uh, and then the yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, I work full time. Yeah, but, you know, it's, so, it's such a hot market where I am. Stop coming up with excuses. Stop coming up with excuses and break that and just make it happen. That's fantastic, John. Thanks so much. So listen, thanks again for enjoy, uh, you know, connecting with us today. Thanks so much for all of our audience for listening to yet another episode of the Strategic Real Estate Coach Podcast. Go out in the field, guys. Tear it up. Do those deals. Be daring. And we'll talk to you soon. Take care. You were just listening to Strategic Real Estate Coach Radio, hosted by Josh Cantwell and Kyle Gariffo. Leave a comment on our iTunes channel and let us know what you want to learn next, who you would like us to interview, or if you just want to share some of your success stories in real estate, and maybe we'll talk about it on our next show. While you're there, give us a five-star rating and make sure you subscribe so you can be the first to hear new episodes every Wednesday. Follow Josh Cantwell and Strategic Real Estate Coach on Facebook and Twitter. Check out all our awesome free training videos at youtube.com forward slash SREC video. If you want to find out 55 simple and powerful ways to find killer real estate investments, go to 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast right now to download our free report and get a ton of free resources on finding properties and funding properties. And stay up to date on what's happening right now in the real estate industry. That's 55simpleways.com forward slash podcast. Podcast. Thanks for listening.